0: The Sunday Sermons Podcast. Before I was born, there was a, uh, a big event called the Summer of Love. It really wasn't about love, <laughs> not God's kind of love. And there's a lot of things in our world today that talk about love, claim to be about love, and sometimes even claim to be about God's love and really aren't. This summer, we're going to explore what God means when he talks about love, what God is, when it, what it means when it, we say that God is love. And so I'm going to be telling you guys, and several other people will as well, you're going to be hearing a lot of love stories. And again, I, I, don't, I don't mean like stories where the whole plot is whether these two people are going to end up together. Uh, those are boring stories to me. I don't have time for to tell you those stories. I, I want some action. You, you know what, anybody else with me? You want a movie or a story that has more going on than just who ends up together at the end of the story? I want, I want to, but here's the thing. The love stories we're going to be telling are this. There's stories from the Bible, stories from history, stories from right here, right now, people that know God right here, right now, that are living out the kind of love that God has for us, what God means by love. And we're going to start with God himself. And we're going to start this morning by reading together uh, the first part of Psalm 136. And here's how this works. You guys keep saying, his love endures forever. I'll read, this is how they used to do it back then. Of course they sang it, we don't know the tune, but I'm gonna say the the first line and then you guys say, his love endures forever. And let's do this together, here we go. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of God's. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. This idea of love enduring forever is really the core idea underneath what the New Testament calls patience. The idea of that God's love is patient is more about that it just never ends. It's relentless. It just keeps going. He just keeps, it's more about that than it is that he doesn't ever get irritated. In fact, that's 100% what it's about. Because we see in the story, he does get get irritated. Uh, In creation, God created this perfect world. And right away, right away, people broke it. We don't know how many, how how long it took actually, but it wasn't that long. It certainly doesn't take much time in the story that we have before us. But when we messed up the world, when we messed everything up, God did not go, ah, whatever. Did he? It was a big deal. And yet his love continued. And it was after the fall that he made the promise. One day I will send a savior. One day I will send somebody who will save you. And it'll come through your line. That's why we can trace it all the way through Adam and Eve, all the way down to Jesus. He says, I'm going to make sure that I send somebody It's going to come down through your family. And he keeps keeping that promise no matter what. In the New Testament, John says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And I think that's important, especially as we read the Old Testament stories, because I think a lot of times we tend to try to justify God. We try try to sugarcoat these stories, trying to make God's love look like our love or look like the kind of love that we think might be more appealing or more palatable to the rest of the world around us and therefore they might think God is cool. You know what I'm talking about? But the thing is, it's, it's the other way around. If we really believe that God is God and I do, if we really believe that his word is true and I do, then what that's really saying is God is love. Whatever love is, needs to look like what God is, not the other way around. Does that, does that make sense? So the story continues. Things get worse and worse and worse. By Genesis 6, we read this. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. The, I'm sorry. And with them all the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Does that sound like God is okay? No. No. Have you ever asked yourself why Noah found favor? We tend to assume that Noah must have just been this wonderful, wonderful, godly person. But it doesn't really say that. It just says Noah found favor in his eyes. That's, That's all we know for sure. Here's what I believe more and more. I think he was just in the bloodline. And God refused, even in this moment... When he's decided, I actually wish I wouldn't have even created humans in the first place. I'm going to have to reboot this whole system. He refuses to break his promise. He refuses to give up entirely. He refuses to give up completely, even though that is explicitly what it tells us he felt like doing. He still decides to bless Noah and his family to keep the thing going. Because God's love is patient It endures forever. Are we tracking? Here's some other things you can see with God's love. Our choices actually matter. You see this in this story. We can break the heart of God. I'm not going to get into Calvinism and anti-Calvinism. We're not going to go deep down that well this morning. But I do want you to notice as we look at these stories this summer that in so many of them, there is a spot. We're not gonna argue about where that spot is, but there is a spot in many of these stories where people take it too far. God has a limit. And yet he is relentless about his love. He's relentless about his plans. He's relentless about still offering love to humanity in general and to anybody who comes back to him. That's what we see over and over and over. Whatever that means to you theologically or whatever, that's another conversation. But let's read these stories with wide open eyes. And that's what you see happening here in this story of Noah. And, and, and then as the story continues. You get down further down this genetic line, almost all the stories in the Old Testament, one way or another, are the, the line of the Messiah and all the, all the stuff that happens all around them. Okay? So now you get to this guy named Abraham. And Abraham is not in the story because he's such a perfect human being. And neither is his son, Isaac, or his other son, Ishmael, that he had with his slave woman because he was not patient. And neither was Isaac's sons, Jacob or Esau or any of Jacob's sons. They're not in the story because they're so perfect. They're in the story because God is patient. And God's love endures forever. And he said, I am going to make a Messiah, a Savior, a Christ, come out of this family. And it's going to happen. And it's a mistake for us to go back in these stories and try to justify their bad behavior. Okay, so Jacob had two wives and two servants. And that's how he got all these kids, through the wives and the servants. Maybe that's okay. Okay. No, it's not. That's what Jacob did. But God was faithful. Are we tracking? So now all the way down in Genesis 37, we get the guy of Joseph. Before we get there, we're going to say this out loud together. Patience helps us persevere. Will you say that out loud with me with boldness here? And if you're writing things down, this is where you, this is where the first word you write down. Patience helps us persevere. Persevere. That's the point of biblical patience. If you are a patient person, chances are you're going to get less irritated and less outright angry than people who are not patient. But that's really not the point. The point is you keep loving that person, you keep showing them love, you keep giving them chances, you keep doing your part regardless. That's really the part. And that's what we see in the example of God. God's love endures forever. He, he adjusts around our plans. He never compromises his values. He never says, okay, fine, sin is okay. He never does that, but he also doesn't com- compromise his plans. If he says he's going to send a Messiah, he will. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, if he says he's going to send Jesus back again, he will. Joseph's story that we're going to look at today. That's the love story we're going to talk about today. How many have ever heard this story before? It's one of my favorites. And I I urge you to not just take my word for it. Go back and reread it really soon. Read the whole thing right in the original text. Any version you prefer, it starts in Genesis 37. But Joseph's faithfulness demonstrates what it looks like when humans are patient, not only with each other, but even with God. How many of you guys have ever had trouble waiting on God about something? <laughs> but this is what it looks like. And that's why we have this wonderful story. Uh, this is the kind of patient endurance that God expects from us and empowers us to achieve. And you note takers, that's your next two words, expects and empowers. In Genesis 37, when we see this kid named Joseph born into this incredibly dysfunctional family of Jacob, and he's very obviously babied, very obviously spoiled, very obviously told, and everybody else around him is told that he's the favorite. How many know that that causes trouble in any family, anywhere, anytime? Okay? And it causes trouble here. How many of you guys grew up and had siblings? That's most of us at least. Okay, How many at some point, at some point, the thought just crossed your mind. What if I just took them out? <laughs> not that you were really it, not that you had plans, but you're thinking about it. In this family, it was so messed up that they actually didn't just think about it. They made it happen. Or at least they tried. They started the process. You, you know the story. Uh, the, the icing on the cake is these huge dreams that Joseph keeps having. And he, he says, oh, hey, guys, I had this awesome dream. I dreamed that we were, we were working on uh, the fields and all of your food bound down to my food. Yeah, that's really great, Joseph. Thanks. A lot. Thanks for sharing. Appreciate that you have such a tight relationship with God and he gives you these dreams. Apparently, you're his favorite too. Hey, guys, I have this other really great dream. The sun and the moon and the stars bowed down to me. That's really cool, Joseph. Thank you very much. I appreciate you sharing these revelations from God. It's great. We're going to kill him. <laughs> and so they do. Or they start to. That's the plan. And then one of the brothers, Reuben, says, Well, nobody got them. He says, Hey, let's throw him in this well. <laughs> instead, instead, let's throw him in there instead of killing him. Let's let's throw him down there. And he plans to come back. But before that can happen, his other brother, Judah, says, Hey, there goes some traitors. We could sell him and we could get money. We lose Joseph. We get money, they get a slave, everybody wins. Except Joseph, of course, but you know what I'm saying. So that's what happens, and Genesis 37 ends with Joseph on his way to Egypt. Actually, he gets all the way there by the end of the chapter. He's working as a slave in the house of Potiphar, one of the most influential people there in Egypt. And then the Bible takes a break. Chapter 38 is about just how messed up Judah is. Judah ends up having twin sons with his, how do I put this? His son's widow. Yeah. And, and, and believe it or not, if you don't already know this, one of those sons is in the line of the Messiah. Not because Judah is a good guy. Not because God was okay with that. But because God's love is patient. God's love endures forever. And he keeps those promises And he's keeping that bloodline going. Does this make any kind of sense? We come back in Genesis 39. We're back in Joseph's story. And we start to see some phrases repeat over and over. Two phrases. One is, the Lord was with Joseph. And the other one is, he gave him success in whatever he did. And it's really easy to take these out of context and try to apply them to today. And we go, okay, so God is with us. So everything's going to work out really great all the time. No, God is with him as a slave. He's still a slave. God is with him in prison. He's still in prison. Are are you with me on this? And when he says, and God made him a success in all he did, that means he was a very successful slave. And he was a very successful prisoner. Prisoner. And we, we can't read our own ideas into this too much. We've got to see what are we actually hearing from God, from this story. And again, you fast forward to the New Testament, this concept that we're looking at, that God's love is patient, God's love endures forever. And, and the Greek word is makrothumia, or makrothumias sometimes. But it, is, it, it could also be translated, not just patience, but it could be easily translated as endurance or steadfastness or perseverance. or relentlessness. It's just you don't give up. You don't give up on that person, you don't give up on that relationship, you don't give up on the promises you made. You just stay at it. So patience helps us persevere. Here's the next thing. Kindness helps others believe. Would you say that out loud with me? Kindness helps others believe. And when we keep trusting and obeying God, he is with us just like he is with Joseph. He's not going to, he does not promise to make everything magical and perfect and uh, do everything to our standards of what it would look like if if God is with us or if God is making us a success, but he is going to keep us on track. And He is going to bless us within those situations. He's going to give us a peace that passes understanding. He's going to do stuff in our lives that we couldn't have ever thought of. And and looking back, it's better than what we thought of in the first place, even if it never feels like that in the moment. God is going to be faithful, especially, especially if we're faithful. Because when we're faithful, when we are patient with God, when we are patient with others... What happens is we get to stay on track. We get to stay in the middle of his will and then it makes it easier for his big plans that he's still doing to actually happen. We get to be part of that. We get to be invited into that way more easy. Easily, sorry. Needed an adverb there. But when we share the kindness and the patience that we have Received. What happens is lives get changed. Sometimes it's the people we're being kind to. You're much more likely to change somebody else or be part of the change in their life if you're kind. How many know this is true? How many also know it's not a guarantee? Okay? But here's the thing. There will be life change every single time because when we choose to love like God loves us, we are changed. And every situation gets better. Would you pray this part of the psalm with me? It's Psalm 86, verse 15. We're gonna, let's pray this as a prayer to God. Say it out loud with me to him and let's just pray this. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness. Let's say that one more time. Again, just say it to him. Don't just quote it, pray it to him. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. In Romans, Paul starts out that letter kind of outlining the cycle that happens when we reject God. And how it finally gets to a point at the end of chapter one, he, he talks about it, finally gets to a point where God goes, okay, fine, do it your way and see how that works out for you. And, and he said, this is what all humanity does. And God, we don't have any excuse because God, even in creation, even the stars, our DNA, every part of us in one way or another parts, points back to a smart creator, an intentional, intelligent Kind, benevolent creator. Everything in creation points back to that. Pretty sure we should trust him. So don't you judge other people too harshly. You've messed up too. That's, that's kind of how chapter one goes in the first verse of chapter two. And then he keeps going. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Remember, he never changes his mind about what he thinks is wrong he just relentlessly keeps giving love, right? It goes on. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience? That's that macrothemia that we've been marinating in today. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? His dream is not that he just keeps forgiving us. His dream is not that we just somehow squeak into heaven at the end of it all, no matter what. His dream is that we experience a relationship with him here and now, and then it's even better later. His dream is that we reach out to everyone the way he's reached out to us here and now, and then someday experience heaven with all of them. His dream is that we follow it now his kindness his patience is dreaming that we're going to let go of all the trash that we hold on instead hold on to instead of him and follow him instead and this is the kind of patience and love that we send to others it's gracious it's forgiving but there's a hope in there we talked about this a little bit last week as well there's it's not that you're controlling them it's not you're trying to manipulate them but you're giving them more chances you're giving them kindness Hoping and praying that maybe they will change. Hoping and praying that this relationship, that person, you as a person, God's whole church around the world, somehow will get better because of the choices you're making in that painful situation. That's why Paul says in Ephesians, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Back to Joseph's story in the Old Testament. We rejoin him in Genesis 40 at this point. And in Genesis 40, you see him in prison and he's being kind to the prisoners. I think it's worth noting that that chapter begins with the line, two full years had passed. A lot of times we fast forward through these Bible stories trying to get to the happy ending. And, and then we expect us to be able to do that in real life too. And that doesn't work either. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah two full years in prison for a crime he didn't commit, a crime he didn't commit while he was being a slave in a foreign country, sent there by his own family. I don't know about you, but I look at the story of Joseph and I go, you know what? If that would have been me, it might have ended a little differently. I'm not sure that I would have been as patient with God and with everybody around me. I'm not sure I would have been as faithful. I'm not sure I would have kept trusting and kept obeying. I would like that. That's why I think the story's in there is that all of us can aspire to be more like Joseph than we are right this second. But I, I, I'm in awe of this dude. What in the world? But he is faithful. And so these guys come and they tell him their bizarre dreams and he interprets them and they they both come true. And finally, after a lot more time has passed, Pharaoh has a crazy dream and the guy goes, Oh yeah, Joseph, I was supposed to tell you about this guy. Have you ever done that? Have you ever forgot something really, really important? Isn't that the worst possible feeling? Oh my goodness, that's like the worst. I, I, I don't do it a lot because I, I, I'm so afraid of it. I write most things down. But every once in a while, I'll forget something really, really important. Buddy, I, I punish myself so hard for days or weeks. Maybe not. Maybe I should forgive myself better than I do. But I'm just being real, sharing my testimony with you. Sometimes I really do. But that's the worst feeling. Well, here's this guy. That's, I'm sure that's how he's feeling. But as the story goes, here's what we know. For sure. We don't know for sure he felt bad. We know for sure he finally did tell him about Joseph. So here comes Joseph. God helps Joseph understand Pharaoh's dreams. Pharaoh puts him in charge of all Egypt. And we go, wow, see, God is good. After years and years and years and years of him trusting and obeying, and us going, that doesn't look like God is good. Does that sound like real life to you guys? It does, because it is. This is a true story. It's the same God and it's the same truths that we wrestle with. So then in the last couple chapters of the story of Joseph, here's what we see. Here, there's this big famine that happens. It's exactly as predicted through the dream and through Joseph interpreting it. And all his brothers come with the rest of the known world to kind of get food. They don't recognize him. They have no no possible imagining dream that it could possibly be Joseph that they're dealing with. But they come and I don't really know, honestly, I don't think anybody does for sure. The way he messes with them, is that just because he's, he's messing with them? You know, is he just being a dysfunctional bratty little brother again? Uh, is he, is it wisdom? Is it, is he playing chess? Is he moving all the pieces? To me, that's what it looks like. Either way, there's a lot of humor in here. There's a lot of funny moments in here where just imagine what it looked like when they get out there and Benjamin opens his sack of grain and there's that cup and they're like, oh no. And you know Joseph's back there at the palace going. <laughs> I bet they found it by now. There, however he meant it, however it worked. And, and here's what we know for sure. It all ended up where it needed to be. Somehow or another, through this whole thing, despite their dysfunction, despite their messing up, despite all of it, largely because Joseph chose, Joseph chose to trust and obey relentlessly, to be patient with God, patient with his brothers, patient with the whole situation. Somehow or another, we end up at the end that his whole family, including him, are living in the best possible spot in Egypt called Goshen and setting up the whole story for everything that comes next. Somehow or another, God worked it out. And that's why James says in the New Testament, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, slow to become angry. Would you you say that one out loud with me? Let's read this out loud together. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In other words, through the choices that we make day after day, we become a little bit more like God. Our love looks a little bit more like his love our patience, our kindness looks a little bit more like his. And we and the rest of the world have a chance. 1 Timothy 1, Paul writes this, here is a trustworthy saving that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. In 2 Timothy, he writes, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Notice he's telling him specifically, in light of all that, this is how you extend patience and kindness to the world. Tell them the truth. Be prepared to tell them the truth all the time. And then the rest of it, he's talking about how we do that for each other. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Jesus Christ himself said this. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not, but I, I've been asked before in different small groups and stuff, what, what, would you really take a bullet for somebody else? Would you, would you actually give your life? And what, what, what would happen if somebody said they would kill you if you kept following Jesus? Would you be willing to do that? And most of us, at least, I think we, 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 th- we would say, yeah, of course. And it would be hard, but yeah, of course I would do that. And maybe we're right. Maybe we do have that courage. But here's what I know for sure. And this is where we're gonna wrap up today to love one another as Christ loved us doesn't mean so much that you'd be willing to do one big dramatic thing if it came down to it. It means that every single day you actually do extend the patience and the kindness that God has shown you to the people around you. Every single day you are patient with God, patient with yourself, patient with your family, Patient with your friends, with the people you work with. You're patient with the people around you that don't know Jesus and don't have a clue or care what he thinks. You're patient and kind to everybody day after day after day after day. That's what it looks like to extend the love of Jesus. And if that's your habit and that's how you live and that's how you are. And little by little it becomes a little bit more true for us that you could say, John is love. Or put your own na- name anywhere though. It becomes a little bit more true, a little bit more true as we keep trusting and obeying God. Someday, yeah, it's gonna be automatic. If the big thing happens, oh yeah, of course. You just do it. But here's, again, it's gonna come down, what are you gonna do today? What are you do this afternoon when somebody gets on your nerves? What are you gonna do tomorrow when somebody is unkind to you but you decide to be, are you gonna be kind What happens if you're praying for something you're not seeing that answer yet? Are you going to be patient with God? Are you going to trust and obey? That's what it comes down to. And when we choose to extend the love, the patience, and the kindness that God has extended to us, that's when we experience it the most, that he's always like that to us. Would you stand, would you give God everything as we stand and sing together?